You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in this arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't know what the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll let you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. Just a man! And I have half the brain that you do! But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! Ooh, woo! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, you know that wrestling boy. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there? Welcome to episode 252 of the Straight Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacona, Philly Voice and Philly Influencer. And yes, I'm going to say it again. We have yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. Where we're back to the deep dives, baby. Back diving deep into the abyss. What are we talking about this week? Well, if you follow us on Twitter at Shooters Radio, you would know already. But for those that don't, uh, which you should, but, you know, in case you don't, we won't judge you. Now now at least, but I, I should eventually. Well, Nick will, uh, and I might judge you tomorrow. But uh, you know, if you follow us, that we're going to talk about in great detail about the very flirt, very first Clash of the Champions. Yes, I know Clash of Champions is now a WWE show. They took out the the in the title for some reason. Uh, but it's happening not this coming some Sunday, but next Sunday. Uh, and it's probably what the fifth or sixth year that WWE's done it, like specifically called Clash of Champions. I think they started doing that back in like 2016, 2015 ish, maybe. Um, but we're going to take it back to the beginning of this event, the inspiration behind it, because of course, just like the United States Championship or the Great American Bash or whatever else, WWE took this name from WCW or back then as NWA and revived it. A couple years ago, 2016, I, I was right about that, 2016. And here we are today, it's going to happen again next Sunday, September 27th. But we're going to talk about the very first one that happened all the way back in 1988. But before we get into that, I got to do it. I got to do my weekly check on my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? Feeling fresh off a very, uh, so I got, uh, grew my hair out. My hair is pretty long, so I did the whole, uh, I guess, Roman Reigns buzz where, so now I'm feeling fresh when I have my neck all, you know, buzzed and my ears all buzzed and my mask fits properly, my glasses fit properly, I don't have to finagle with it, and I still have my long hair, so um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. That's like been the highlight of my week, as sad as that sounds. Hey man, I feel you, I got my hair cut last uh, Saturday. I finally made the leap, made the jump there it to is. do it. Um, it was a professional decision. Uh, you know, it wasn't like I was itching to get back into the barbershop, but <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And um, it was it was getting kind of crazy at the end there. Like, I had to go. It was on, I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, this is a little hectic, mm-hmm. uh, even for me. So, um, you know. I had grown I was, my hair out. I had to go. 
yeah, I had to grow my hair out numerous times through the years. And then I would wake up one day and just be like, all right, I'm tired of it. And then I'll go get my hair cut short. This time I've had it for about two years now that I haven't, like I've gotten it trimmed here and there, but never like a cut cut for two years. So uh, getting back there, was kind of weird a little bit and uh, having uh, the lady cut around my ears and showing her a picture uh, of what I, what I wanted. It was actually a, a cropped picture of Bryce Harper, uh, his photo from Instagram a few months ago uh, after his baby crew was born. And uh, he posted a, uh, picture there and the hair was exactly the way that I envisioned wanting mine so I was like here I cropped it and I showed her and I was like that's what I want it to look like and she did a pretty good job gotta say pretty good job so uh, now my head does feel a little bit lighter because uh, there was a lot of hair that got taken off even though it was only like an, an inch uh, above my ear down my neck and my other ear but that's that's a lot of hair so uh, it was very weird but feeling refreshed so hopefully that bodes well for this show yeah let's let's hope let us hope that it does bode well for the show because again we're both looking good and when you look good you feel good and when you feel good you play good and when you play good they pay good now we're not necessarily getting paid right now but in this case we're recording good so but you know you know what i'm saying like yeah and it, it, it's all working out for us. Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners love our podcast. So if you know any uh, any any advertisers looking to get in, get their brand out there, hit us up. Oh yeah, do that. Do that. We're both good, fine looking fellas right now. This is a good time to do it. <laughs> My first yeah. haircut since February, <laughs> which is wild to think about. Five. I went. Was it September? So seven months. Without a haircut, that dude cut my hair. He, I was in a barbershop. He cut it and then like he used the clippers and like you know and like a big, like a massive chunk of hair came out. Like all it's like all my hair came out in one piece, like into my lap, like my whole head of hair. It was like that's that's wild. Like it was like somebody's beard, but on top of my head, it was it just was weird. It was like it looked like a fake beard, like something like in the movie where. Somebody put the, put on a fake beard, but it's like a comically fake beard. It's like, you know, <laughs> awful looking. That's how my hair looked for the last seven months. And <laughs> Did I you put was it glad in a pla- to let it go. Put it in a plastic bag and save it? No, hell no. no. I'm not sentimental <laughs> about that. I can go. I now, did that before. I'm not doing that. No, I'm, I'll, I'll pass. But I, I don't know if I'm going to do the usual like every two weeks kind of thing, but I'm not going to let it go seven months again <laughs> before yeah. I get it cut. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we stay with barbershops can stay open. Hopefully things don't get worse around here. Uh, so knock on wood for that. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see myself going seven months again without a cut. Because the last time I got a cut was before I went to New Orleans, and that was like the first yeah. the, the weekend after the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, man, like, last yeah. time I got a trimmed was last March, so March of 2019. Good lord. Yeah, crazy. Man. So those neck hairs and sideburn hairs were very, very, uh, getting me very angry. So I had to do something about it and I did not trust myself, did not trust myself. No, I, I ain't touching it myself. No, 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 no. We're not (laughs) doing that. No, no, no. no. I did that. Actually, I did that before. It's funny, funny story. (laughs) Um, season opener, 2018, Thursday night football. Of course, this is the year after we won the Super Bowl. Mm. So we opened up the whole season. 
And this is massive. Thursday night game, dropping yeah. the banner. Big game. Remember that night I, well. I, right. And I had gotten a haircut maybe, I would say, no more than a month prior. But my beard was coming back, and there's a way that I, I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to trim it down, you know, because it's open at night. I don't want it to look. It wasn't like it was scraggly. It's just more than what I wanted it to. I was, I was on the wolfing side. I was like, you know what? I'm going to trim it down with a little trimmer I got. Boy, was that a mistake. I was like, oh, no. I've messed this up. So it gets to the point where I got to cut it all, my whole beard off, which I, I don't remember the last time I was like clean face. And I got this crooked mustache. Not, it wasn't really noticeable from like... Like until you like look real close, it was bad. It was like, oh, this is this is not the way to start the season. And here, here I was, <laughs> looking like a damn fool. I in did the, the press same box thing. Open the night. I did the same thing this past Christmas night. Uh, I, I saw a picture of myself, and my goatee was looking like devilish. It, it was like it had two horns on the side, and the center was like not there. And I was like, oh man, that looks bad. So I decided to trim it, and uh, did not go well at all. So I was like, you know what? It's Christmas break. I'm not going to work for another another week, so let's shave it all off. And uh, by the time I went back to work, it was not all there. <laughs> it was still looking really bad because my facial hair grows very, very uh, slowly. So if I, you know, just trim it all off and shave it, it's not going to get back to that way for another two or three months. So it was bad. I do not look good like that. It's like clean shaven either. <laughs> I am not. I cannot pull that off. Yeah, no, it's not not a good not a good time. But uh, so thank goodness for facial hair for me. Yes, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> I know going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but people <laughs> need to realize that for for men, beards are like makeup. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. how many people out there look ugly without beards? <laughs> but when they get the beard on, all of a sudden they're like, whoa, women are like, wow, he's super attractive. All of a sudden, it's like, no, he's just wearing a beard <laughs> and covered up his ugly face. Now, me personally. I look good without a beard too, you know. That's just me. Of course, of and course. I ain't ugly without the beard. It's just that I look better with one. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's just an enhancement. It's not like it's a whole makeover. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. I'll give you that one because uh, yeah, you know I don't you know, think I've ever a, seen a, you without one, but I'll take a word for fair. it. That's fair, but it's just objectively speaking, I'm a <laughs> handsome man. Just so you know. <laughs> that's why I will never share pictures. Of, of myself clean shaven unless I'm married or something. I'll never share pictures of that because it's just bad. And my hair wasn't even that long uh, Christmas uh, night, so it wasn't even like I could pull it all back, p- put on top of my head and it, with a hair tie, like none, none of that. So I, I was a mess. I was definitely a mess. Well, you got a mess now. That's I appreciate all that, that. Appreciate that. That's all that matters. So, speaking of something that uh, it's, it's nice and, and, and cool and, and great and, and good looking and, and, and attractive. <laughs> Let's go back in time to 1988 to the first Clash of the Champions. Uh, Nick, I just got finished watching this like maybe five minutes before we turn on the mics here. I'm a busy guy, so I had to do, I had to multitask a little bit. Yeah. But <laughs> it's funny because I texted Nick a couple days ago about this. Hey, let's watch Clash of the, Clash of the Champions, the first one, because you know it's Clash of Champions time, blah blah blah. And in the midst of you watching it, you found an old story of mine <laughs> that I forgot I wrote <laughs> uh, on Philly.com. My one of my Throwback Thursdays, 
Yeah, I correct. Uh, yes, I was uh, searching for something in a match, uh, something peculiar that we'll mention later on. And I literally like just put <laughs> put a phrase in Google, and yours was like the first or second one that popped up. Um, it was like nice. inquire or something like that. And so you must have used that same exact phrase. I didn't read the whole thing because we're gonna, we're going to go through it probably here and there, and I'll have it pulled up here. But yesterday when I texted you, I didn't read th- I didn't read your uh, article throughout. So I'll be doing that uh, during the podcast tonight. So I just figured I would let you know. I'd be like, hey, by the way. <laughs> We maybe we can use this to point to here and there. So uh, I just thought it was funny because uh, I was like, "Oh, you probably remember doing this," and you were kind of like, "Nope, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> no, there's <laughs> the thing. I, I, I now that you say, it, I do remember doing it now. Like when you told me, but before that, I did not remember. But it was good. I'm glad you told me because I had some at a companion piece for the event while I was watching it. And there were some things I didn't cheat, and I'm not going to just cheat and just use my notes from 2016. That's when I wrote the story. It's like <laughs> four September. years ago, yeah, yeah, September 2016. Apparently, I had the same idea four years ago that I did now. <laughs> uh, watch the first Clash of Champions, Clash of the Champions. Uh, maybe that's the reason why WWE took out the the because it is kind of clunky with the in there. See, I'm not. I'm. I don't. I don't tend to agree with that. Mm. I think Clash of the Champions sounds a lot better. Clash of Champions is just way easier to say. True. But, but for, like, Clash of the Titans is a thing, you know, so Clash of the Champions, it's whatever. Yeah. But, so apparently I had the, four, the same idea four years ago, uh, again, now, and I had some new notes that I took while watching this. So I got a whole batch of new notes, but I will refer to some things that I wrote back in 2016 just for, uh, like, informational sake but i got some definitely got some new notes here because uh it's a fresh set of eyes some things i didn't notice last time or knew the last time obviously four years have gone by there's some new information that's come out about certain things uh that you know i didn't know about back then so new information new set of eyes new notes so let's you know kind of set up the circumstances shall we of this show because there are some circumstances um this isn't just another wrestling show. This is a pretty historic wrestling show from a standpoint of why it existed. The Clash of the Champions took place on March 27th, 1988. You might know that date pretty well if you remember 1988 because that's the same night as WrestleMania 4. Uh, WWE, of course, had WrestleMania 4 that night in 1988. Um, but if you rewind it back a little bit, 1987... They started Survivor Series. And they had Survivor Series go up against Starcade. And the people, they held people over a barrel a little bit. It's like, hey, if you want, at least the pay per view companies that held them over a barrel, they said, hey, if you want to get WrestleMania 4, don't carry Starcade, carry Survivor Series. And I'm, I assume some companies made that decision. Uh, so the NWA countered, you know, this is back in the day, all bets are all back in the day. NWA countered by putting a television show, not a pay-per-view, but a live television show on TBS at the same time as WrestleMania 4. And it did well from a rating standpoint. It drew a 5.6 rating, which a lot of shows would kill to have nowadays. Not just wrestling, but a lot of shows in general. And this is on cable television, by the way. This isn't like network TV. And they had 6,000 people at the Greensboro Coliseum, which is crazy to think about today, to think that because nowadays, WWE is such a behemoth that no one would dare try to compete with 
WWE in a live event in any sort of way because the eyes of the wrestling world are typically fixated upon it. But back in the day, WWE was a behemoth, but there was another pretty big company too at the same time in NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions specifically, that could run a show, put 6,000 people in a building, which was nowhere near even their biggest house that year. I'm sure they put 10, 12,000 people in, in bigger shows like a Starcade or a Bunkhouse Stampede or something like that later on in the year. But 6,000 people, where well, people, a lot of people are watching WrestleMania, WrestleMania 4, the, the, the big tournament, you know, the, w, the World Championship tournament. And it, they advertised a rematch between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant for the tournament. So big deal. And NWA came out with its own show and it did well yeah and i believe that it was on tbs yeah it was on tbs so uh you know that was kind of like a a shot obviously a shot fired uh, but they nwa wasn't the first uh to, to fire a shot so definitely a uh, re uh what's the word Damn it. Starts with an R. Re whatever. Reciprocated or retaliated? Uh, retaliated. There you go. That's see that's why you. you're such a good co host, Vaughn. You you I know exactly you. what I'm saying. You can't even see me. Because we, we don't we don't do <laughs> Skype anymore. We don't do Skype anymore. You don't even see me, but retaliated uh with this and uh I gotta admit, you know, like I it, I wouldn't have watched this and I I still don't think I would watch it. If I grew up, maybe I shouldn't say that because I grew up a certain way, certain shows that I just love to go out of my way to watch here and there from WWF back in the day. Uh, but this show just, I don't know if it was the production value or it, it was just so different compared to like the production value WWF had back in the day that kind of like grabbed me and why I, I watched so much. Uh, this, I wasn't. I wasn't thrilled with, like, it just seemed like a weird put-together show. And I got to admit, there's probably a lot of NWA shows like this back then. You know, I haven't watched a ton of them. I've watched some of them, uh, but rarely from start to finish. And this is one of the few that I've, you know, watched from start to finish. And I don't know, man, it just just seems like some, some of the things I was like, man, you would never see that in WWF. You would never see this in WWF. And it's just, like, weird. But I, but well, I'm glad that I did watch it because it it put into perspective, you know, the the reasons why the people that I was around back then generally only watched WWF, and I understand why. I mean, they didn't really watch for the wrestling; they watched for the glitz and the glamour, and that definitely what didn't seem like NWA's mo. You say that, and that's fair because WWE was all glitz and glamour. The, the shows were brighter, yep. you know. You get you, they were better produced. I mean, that's that's just me objectively saying that. Not a knock against NWA. It's just WWF was on another level. Uh, usually, typically bigger venues, you know, bright brighter brighter characters, more colorful characters. So yeah, I can understand that how that could draw people's eye. But as in you know, in twenty twenty eyes. I don't see how you could not also watch the NWA enjoy it for its differences. Because I thoroughly enjoyed this. I enjoyed the production. Uh, it, you know, I know it's not, it's not as polished as WWF, but it's a very sports-like. They take it very seriously. And you talk about the, the, just the energy in that building. 
oh man, I know some people watch WWF for the excitement. I don't see how you can watch a show that had more excitement than an NWA show, especially when a babyface is getting making a comeback and the fans <laughs> were going hoo 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 for every I, punch. Like I did mention that uh, the the fan you know reactions were definitely above par uh, from what I re- oh, yeah. like, would see like back then. So the fans were, were definitely going in it. Crazy, yeah. And I loved when they would, like I said, the baby face is throwing punches and they're yeah. going, ooh, ooh, for every single punch, every single strike, they're making that sound. I don't know what sound it is. I'm just, you know, sounding it out based off what I hear. It might be something specific, but I doubt it. It's just <laughs> a bunch of people going, ooh, and it's great. And they're going nuts. And the, and the announcers, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Bob Cottle, Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross called the hell out of that main event, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but... They're adding to it. The fans are going crazy. Like every single time the babyface did anything, the fans are going crazy. I personally love watching uh, Jim Crockett shows or NWA shows from back in the '80s because those fans are just so into it. And they and, and it's not like they were like, you know, even crowds in the in the '90s into the 2000s, they were into it too. But sometimes they might boo the babyface, they might cheer the heel, or they might get a mixed reaction. There were no mixed reactions back then. <laughs> like that, they wanted that babyface to win, and they wanted that heel to lose. And if that babyface won by disqualification. They were damn happy because all that mattered was a win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And obviously, they were less, uh, less smart, quote unquote, to the business as we are today. Where you know we got, and it's not really our fault. It's just there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of news- newsletters and websites, and you know we're one of these podcasts that talk about wrestling from an analytical standpoint, but they're not as critical or analytical as wrestling as we are today. Back then, they just wanted to see the good guys win and the bad guys lose. And I like that. I'm, I'm all for that. It's, there's nobody saying, you messed up in the crowd. It's just like, yay, good guy, <laughs> boo, bad guy. And that's it. No, this is awesome chance. They're just caught up and wrapped up in that emotion, in that story. And this show, uh, you know, really was a an example, a prime example of that. And I... I Thoroughly, again, thoroughly enjoyed it. So I know it was kind of weird for you, but for me, I thought it was great. And to your point, I think that goes along with how better the wrestling and booking was back then. Like, if you're a heel, they're going to book you like a heel. They're going to make sure that crowd doesn't like you, and you're not going to try to be cool and, and have the crowd, like, enjoy what you're doing. Like, no, you want that crowd to hate you. And there's so many heels today that um, they realize that, the audiences know a lot more about the business. And uh, I said it w- before, I-, I feel like Baron uh, Baron Corbin, among very few, are, are the types of heels that really just want you to hate them. And they'll, they'll try to do anything in today's day and age to get you to hate him, whether it's on social media or whether it's, you know, promos on TV. Like, he doesn't worry about being the cool heel. Like, he just wants you to hate him. And there are very few guys like that nowadays. And there definitely wasn't any uh, back then. You know, Ric Flair didn't want you to like him. But I think people tend to cheer for him just because they respected him in, in a way. But other than that, yeah, like, there was nobody cheering for, like, the Midnight Express <laughs> with Jim Hell Cornette. No. Uh, no, Jim Cornette was not getting people on his side. <laughs> and he wasn't trying to. Not even exactly. by a long shot. So. And I do like that. Like I know, like wrestling's obviously changed and it progresses, and the fans progress with it. But yeah, back like that's what I enjoy the most about that is like the fans are kind of reacting the way they're supposed to, and I don't want to make it seem like 
you know, fans are supposed to react a certain way. But for wrestling, you kind of just be like, uh, it gets me annoyed when there's a lot of times where the fans just try to take over and hijack a lot of things that aren't necessary. Like Dan- the Daniel Bryan thing, I'm okay with because, you know, that was deserved. But there are other things uh, throughout the years that I'm just like, why why hijack something that – but there was none of that back then. But at the same time, though, we can hold the promoters accountable or the bookers accountable in that sometimes they don't listen to the audience. And yeah, yeah. their mistakes lead them to the, to the audience – booing the baby face or cheering the heel and it's like y'all don't understand what people like or what people dislike instead you got a guy who or a gal who is deaf dumb and stupid and does dumb things every week looks like a chump every week and this is supposed to be the person i like (laughs) like (laughs) like meanwhile the the, the bad guy is the more feels like the more realistic person the person that i actually can identify with more and i don't know what that says about society but also this is just how society (laughs) is like we relate more to people who are human beings who who act, who do realistic things. That's that's right, what we right, kind of yeah. want. Yeah, you know. So don't have your heels, your your, your baby faces out there doing dumb stuff, and and your and your heels being the more seemingly cool ones. And that's how you'll prevent your uh, baby faces from getting booed and your heels from getting cheered. But let's dive into it. Let's dive into clay, clash, not clay. Yes, clash. <laughs> Of the champions. <laughs> I just threw on a southern accent out of nowhere for some reason. <laughs> the clash. Um, right off top, we get a really, to me, in my opinion, for 1988, I thought this intro was pretty dope. I don't know about you, but with the Ooh. with the belts coming through and the, and the, the, like the lightning striking it and, and the music and it's like all the titles going back and forth and... I thought the intro. I thought the intro was kind of cool. I don't know what, if it, you you agreed, but it was much yeah. better than Vince McMahon going WrestleMania. No, nothing, nothing's better than that. Come on, man. The constellations in the sky. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, I thought it was kind of nerdy, but I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it. Uh, and I don't know. Is there a Western States Heavyweight Champion? Like, they, uh, they said at some point that. If the main event didn't fill the TV time, they had right. some standby matches. I think that was one of what the matches, the Western States. Because they had titles. the... Shane Douglas and Zabisco? Oh, okay. um, I don't even remember. I did hear that, but I, I didn't catch the participants. Uh, but I saw, like, they in their montage of the titles, you know, the Western States title was one of them. And I was like, whoa, that's, like, kind of cool. I didn't even... I guess I totally missed that from back then. And I don't well, know how long it was in effect, but I was not privy to that. Now that you mention it i might as well bring up this point in that the nwa had a lot well jim cocker promotions for whatever reason had a lot of titles mm-hmm. which i guess on one end the nwa was made up of a bunch of different territories so they all had their own titles once they kind of died out jim crock was one of the last ones left if not the last one left and i guess they kind of took some of those titles from those various territories yeah for no reason though like <laughs> who needed to see the western states title in charlotte north carolina like i don't Nobody cared. They also had United States tag titles, which alone, yeah. Why did they exist? But they also had the national tag titles, heavyweight title, along with the United States heavyweight titles. Like, wait a minute, why? <laughs> yeah. Why do they have both? What's the point? Like, the national heavyweight championship is different from the United States heavyweight championship. 
Okay. Apparently. Yeah. And I'm sure the national heavyweight title came from a different territory. It just brought in like, and it kind of just you know made it a part of the JCP. But they still have to this day the NWA uses the national heavyweight championship. It's not the United, but they don't have a United States championship because that pretty much belongs to WWE now. That same lineage is in WWE. So they was like, oh, let's revive the national heavyweight title because that was a title at one point in and then uh, the NWA. So. But yeah, I didn't understand yeah. why they had titles like that at this point. They didn't need them. Yeah, but uh, uh, I w- the opening, I was I was watching it and I was like, man, this is going head to head with WrestleMania. Like, uh, I, I don't get it. It was like question, Lil Will Sting wins. Like, that's the best thing to come up with. Like, whatever. Well, yeah, that wasn't <laughs> the great part. The part where they had the belts and the music. Yeah, that was yeah. what I was focused on. Okay. The little narration, no, nah, uh, we could do without that. <laughs> that was trash. <laughs> if they just came in with the belts and then the narration, yeah. not no narration, I should say, the belts, the lightning, and then they went to the to the live shot, perfect. Yeah, I'm always a belt, Mark, so that was cool. I thought it was cool, too. Uh, also, once the intro was done, we get a look at the Greensboro Coliseum, which, if you're a wrestling fan or an NWA fan, you know this is probably the most historic are uh, the, the marquee venue in that territory in that uh carolina territory um and it's still in, it's in existence to this day it still has uh basketball tournaments the acc tournament has been there like over 20 times over the years they had the final four in 1974 um it's a legendary venue in greensboro north carolina like i said not just for wrestling but also for college basketball because you know as you know you know, Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, all those programs down there, legendary programs. So not necessarily Wake Forest nowadays, but Duke and North Carolina for sure. Um, but yeah, Greensboro Coliseum, legendary venue for wrestling, hosted the first star arcade. I think the first couple star arcades were in Greensboro. I think the first three, 83 through 85, I think were all in Greensboro. Actually, 86 is in Greensboro too, because that's when they had the, the, the two venues. Uh, there's in the Omni and in Greensboro, which is Omni was also a major venue in the South. Uh, but yeah, the Greensboro Coliseum, uh, a uh, a legendary venue. We talked about the Spectrum a couple weeks ago during our SummerSlam uh, deep dive when SummerSlam was in Philly uh, and how legendary of a venue that was. Greensboro Coliseum also deserves some some credit too for being a, a very historic wrestling venue and just a historic venue overall in the South. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Uh, North uh, Carolina, thing, good, good job. <laughs> there you go. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, throughout the show, I guess I'll get it out the way now, they were advertising a new show Yeah. called the NWA Main Event. Yeah. And it's going to air on Sundays at 5.35 p.m. on TBS. And the one thing I noticed is that they were talking about how they're going to pretty much have main event matches on that show every week, which was like, that goes against what was usually happening back then. Like TV shows had TV matches and people criticized the 90s and Nitro and Raw for giving away big matches every week. But here is Jim Crockett Promotions trying to do it every week on TBS. (laughs) I don't even remember this like era of main event because I remember what I did watch was when it was WCW main event and uh, I totally forgot the NWA kind of ushered in that that program and WCW just kind of took it over by name but 
uh, I remember watching like Sting on there and Ric Flair and like Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan here and there. I'll go over to my aunt's house and they they would have it on and I'd be like, whoa, this is cool. Like I, you know, this was 1993, 1994 or whatever. Um, that was the first taste I got of this uh, show, but had no idea it was that old. Uh, and because I knew it was old, older than like 94, but I didn't know it started in 88. That's crazy. And yeah, uh, you know, every Sunday, so kind of took the place of these, uh, not took the place, but it was also like a pre show almost for WCW pay per views on Sunday, at least in the 90s. It seemed that way. I don't know what it was like in the, in the 80s or late 80s, I should say, but I like the logo. Logo was pretty cool. <laughs> According logo to Wikipedia, it's debut episode was April 3rd, 1988, so it's pretty much debuting the next week or something like that yeah. after. Yeah. Uh, Clash of the Champions, and its final episode was January third, nineteen ninety eight. So it got almost a an exact ten year run. Um. So yeah, I mean, it became uh, title changes. I I was a big mark of when it was like the recap program for Nitro on when it was on Saturday mornings on TBS. That was like my favorite version of it. But yeah, like mm. before all that, it was crazy. Right. It's just. At, at that point, it's like what WWF or WWE did with like when they brought back superstars in like 2010 or whatever it was, or when they with with the current main event show they have now, right? <laughs> when they first when they debuted, it's like oh, it's going to be this big show with all these big matches, and they put like Undertaker in the intro and CM Punk in the intro, and it's like you're going to see these guys here like once, and then eventually <laughs> it's going to be the show that nobody wants to actually be on because that's going to be the the lower show, and that's pretty much what it is now. That's what main event, the NWA main event show happened. That's what happened to it back in the 80s into the 90s. Same thing happened to the WWE version of that as well. So maybe WWE took that name from WCW, probably. I assume so. I mean, it took everything. It took Great American Bash. It took, <laughs> it yeah. took uh, what else did they take? Uh, Clash of Champions, <laughs> obviously. They need to take Halloween Havoc, but that's just neither here nor there. Mm. If they don't um, have it this year, I'll be mad. This is the year to, to this man. is the year to do it. Well, Unless you want to do NXT. NXT might do it. Yeah. Yeah. With WWE they're gonna do hell I mean, in a cell did, and they already took Starcade. They technically they did take Starcade. Which is crazy. Man, they they're doing Starcade at <laughs> disservice. Yeah, absolutely. My opinion. Like like I'll say it again. I know I've said it a million times, but that should replace Survivor Series, in my opinion. <laughs> so that's just me. Uh, but night's opening match of the very first Clash of the Champions, the trivia question. Who wrestled the first match in the very first Clash of the Champions? If you said Mike Rotunda and Jimmy Jam Garvin, you are correct. <laughs> so what kind of match did they have? They had a world television championship match that was contested under quote-unquote college rules. Nick, you know what college rules are when it when it pertains to the world television title? Uh, how many chugs? Uh, the winner, the winner wins. That's that's a fair that's a fair answer. Yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so apparently, it was three, what five minute rounds? Is that what it was? I believe. Let me look at my story real quick. That I <laughs> said I wouldn't mention that often, but here we are. Yeah. Three five-minute rounds, 
where there's only a one count. There was no three count like mm-hmm. in regular pro wrestling. It's just like amateur wrestling where there's a one count. So if you if you're not familiar with amateur wrestling, you get a guy's shoulders on the on the mat for and, and the referee sees they're on the mat and he gets down and counts one. Boom. That's the end of the match. That's it. So that's how they were kind of doing this here. And it's really kind of geared towards Rotunda, who just got I think he got let go by WWE this week. Really? After he was on furlough. Oh, oh he did, yes. I thought you were talking about oh, back okay. then. <laughs> I was like, wait, right no. before Clash of the Champions? What? But yeah, he no, got, I'm he, talking about now. Yeah, he got let go, yeah. Right. So that's unfortunate. But on this night, it was geared towards him because he was legitimate collegiate wrestler back in the day at Syracuse, which, of course, he had the singlet on that said Syracuse on it. Uh, but he really was. And he actually won the Eastern Intercollegiate Wrestling Association Heavyweight Championship in 1981, hmm. uh, which that EIWA is still in existence. It's got a bunch of teams in the Northeast United States, a bunch of schools, I should say. So, like, UPenn, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of Ivy League schools, schools pretty much in the Northeast area. Uh, they all have their wrestling programs compete in the same conference, and Mike Rotunda won in 1981 uh, the heavyweight Title. He also played football at Syracuse. He was a defensive lineman in 1978. So, of course, Rotunda, a member of the Varsity Club, he comes out with Kevin Sullivan, who was not a collegiate wrestler and didn't look like a member of the Varsity Club at all. He still had his, like, Taskmaster stuff on, which was <laughs> kind of weird. But there he was <laughs> as Mike Rotunda's manager going against Jimmy Garvin. Uh, one thing I noticed was right off top teddy long was the official mm-hmm. our boy theodore long and for people that don't remember teddy long was an official for a long time in wcw and in wwe before he became the general manager and he was also a manager in wcw he managed doom yeah but his hair <laughs> what in the hell was going on teddy uh, that was that was brutal that's pretty brutal. That's not the Theodore Long I know. Damn it, <laughs> bro! I'm, when he made the decision to cut his hair and go bald, it was a an addition by subtraction, my guy. Like, because he had like not only was he balding, so he had like the George Jefferson was like the U shape yeah. around the back of his head. Yeah. He had it like permed, silky smooth, permed up Jerry curl back there. Like what? <laughs> like you already losing it now. You what I got? Though, I'm gonna make it look good. Like what? <laughs> Maybe uh, the ladies of Greensboro, North Carolina, were feeling that style. Maybe. Maybe eight. Maybe in '88, Teddy yeah. Long was a looker. Yeah. But in 2020, whoo! It's funny. Uh, I didn't look the other way. <laughs> the first time I ever saw him was uh, I had a trading card from WCW. And it was when he was the manager of Doom. So I had assumed he was always a manager. So when I saw him at uh, refereeing, I was so confused. I'm like, wait, like, what? Did he do two things? <laughs> you know, that was back back when I believed everybody played one role and <laughs> had specifically one role in their lives forever. Uh, so, right. you know, I learned. I learned a lot through wrestling. Well, look at that. The more you know. But the picture of Teddy Long and Doom, when he's, like, pointing at him, it's a legendary photo, by the way. Got to point <laughs> that out. 
the legendary Frodo. Um, so of course, Rotunda against Jimmy Garvin. Uh, the one thing, another thing I noticed was that even though this was supposed to be college rules or amateur rules or whatever, they were still throwing strikes left and right. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, <laughs> it's really like whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> like, what was the point of the round? It was like an AEW the... tag match. <laughs> what? <laughs> It was like, what's the point of the rounds and the whole one one pinfall type thing? Yeah. One count, I should say. If you're still going to just have them punch each other and throw elbows and stuff. Like, what? <laughs> I, I just didn't understand that. It was kind of <laughs> weird. But um, I, I pointed out here that there were a lot of women in the crowd. They had a lot of shots of women uh, who were just there having a good time, which, again, something I said in the past, you just don't see that much anymore at these wrestling shows. There's a lot of dudes in the crowd. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, it looks different. It just, it's a jarring visual every time because, I mean, obviously, it's jarring to see any fans in the stands nowadays because yeah. Yeah. They, they haven't been for months. But, yeah, they were there. And uh, where did they go? I don't know. <laughs> um. Let's see here. We got second round. It goes into the second round. And quickly into the second round, because of a distraction, Mike Rotunda wins. But that ain't the exciting part. No, no. No, 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 no. It's just getting started because Rick Steiner comes down and he starts beating on Jimmy Garvin, who also had some wild hair. Jacked Rick Steiner. Yes. Yes. Who could kill you at a moment's notice looking Rick Steiner. <laughs> but he came down beating up Jimmy Garvin, who again his hair was looking wild itself, but that was that was the eighties. <laughs> but out of nowhere, Precious, who was with Jimmy Garvin, who was his valet, it was manager. I don't uh, did she pull a two by four out of her pocket? Like where did she get this two by four from? <laughs> like I'm wondering if like I don't know. Was was it under the ring? Did Rick Steiner bring it down? Leave it on the on the <laughs> ring and forget about it. Like what, what was going on here? <laughs> I don't know. It was like Tom and Jerry when Jerry pulled out like a mallet that's bigger than him. <laughs> like where did he get that from? <laughs> All of a sudden, Precious has a two by four and she clocks Rick Steiner with a boom. <laughs> the crowd goes crazy. Crowd is jumping in the air. Then she grabs a hanger. Where the hell did she get this hanger? <laughs> what <laughs> a wire uh, hanger uh, oh and starts choking the life out of kevin <laughs> sullivan with it <laughs> kevin sullivan is dying before everyone's eyes and the fans could not be more happy <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was funny i i rewound it because I, I was like wait, wait how did she get that and uh i guess it, it's funny rotundo was on the ground on the mat and he was probably yelling at her because uh you know, she. I, I think she was looking around and trying to figure out where it was. And Mike Rotondo was probably like, "Oh, it's right here! It's right here! Get it! Grab it!" <laughs> so it's it's funny watching things like that. Where you know, it reminded me of earlier this year when Brock Lesnar uh, was yelling at Drew McIntyre to grab the belt to pose over him after he knocked him out with a claymore kick, and the camera caught Lesnar saying, "Grab the belt! Grab the belt!" So stuff like that always cracks me up. I love that. <laughs> Take the hanger and choke my friend with it, please. <laughs> That's exactly 
Probably that's exactly what he said. I'm pretty sure he just quoted yeah, quoted quoted him. He gave for her, her. He gave her permission, but um, Kevin Sullivan like he was turning blue before. <laughs> Jim Gar- Jimmy Garvin ran over. He's like, oh, oh, don't kill him. Chill out. Because <laughs> like, yeah. he looked like she was really sinking that, cinching that choke in. Yeah. Uh, so good for, fortunately, that, that didn't, you know, he didn't die. <laughs> Jimmy Garvin saved his life. And But one thing I loved at the end was the freeze frame they had on Kevin Sullivan's face as he was getting choked out. And it's just like, a, it was like a very memeable face. Like, if you're going to turn something into a meme... From the show, Kevin Sullivan getting choked by Precious is a meme, and it was really funny. May have to add that to my repertoire. I, I recommend it. I highly recommend it. After that, we just go shift gears from somebody getting choked out to <laughs> <laughs> to Doctor Death. <laughs> somebody almost got choked to death. Then we got Doctor Death. Uh, he is. Back from a trip from Japan, I guess he did a tour in Japan for a little bit. He came back and he was challenging the winner of the main event, the world championship match, to a world championship match. So he cut his promo and he's talking, he's talking about how he's ready and I'm, I'm in great shape and this and that. And then he ends his promo with, bye bye, take care now, and leaves. Oh my God, I wrote that too. <laughs> <laughs> what a dork. <laughs> Like you're supposed to be this Look, big bad dude, dude, and you're you're smiling at the camera, waving, saying bye bye, take care. Like no, come on, no. <laughs> he was kind of he's low key kind of struggling through that promo. Like it wasn't <laughs> he like really a was he really was promo, not at all, or interview, whatever. But <laughs> talking wasn't necessarily Doctor Death strict. They didn't call him Doctor Death because he could talk. They called him Doctor Death because he whooped people's asses, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's why they called him Doctor Death. He was yeah. a badass. Like, yeah. So, uh, bye bye. Take care. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just, just imagine like writing that down and you quote it. You quote bye bye. Take care and quote Doctor Death. <laughs> Doctor Death. Yeah. How is this so wild that he said that? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what well, that's end, what both. Wa- like he waved and it was a yeah. smile. Like all right, bye bye now. Like that's what we took out f- from this interview, and that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Dr. Death, like I said, he was a badass, though, man. He was a starting yeah. guard for Oklahoma football back in the, in the day, which is like, obviously, Oklahoma football is still, the Sooners is still a big-time program today, but it's, you know, just as, there's not, not as much competition back then, so they're even bigger back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, played in the Orange Bowl, was a wrestler and all that, so played, he went to the USFL team and, and all that. It was, he, he did a lot, so... Rest in peace to Dr. Death Steve Williams. Another disrespect to the man because yes. he was a legend. But this promo, the way he ended this promo, was odd. It was imagine, very unbecoming of Dr. Death. Imagine him doing that uh, if he had that program with Stone Cold Steve Austin in 98. And he was supposed to be like this big-ass, bad, badass heel. <laughs> <laughs> bye-bye, take care. I don't think he would have said that in 98. I'll he get you, Austin. Bye-bye, take care. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, um, and it's crazy that that didn't happen because of the damn bra for all tournament. Yeah, and he like yeah. didn't t- tear his hamstring or something like that. He tore his hamstring and then he got knocked out. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, insult to injury. Mm. Um, but yeah, rest in peace to Doctor Destiny Williams. He was he was a beast back in the day. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, next up on the card, 
is a United States tag team title match. Again, don't know why they have a secondary tag title, but here we are. Midnight Express and the Fantastics. And this match got started right away. Like, as soon as they hit the ring, punches were flying, chairs were flying, tables were flying, everything was flying. It was going down right from the start, and I loved every second of it. Because if, if it's a blood feud, that's how I want to see matches start. Get the fans into it right away. The fans were into this, and they were making those hoo, hoo sounds for every punch. <laughs> and it was on. <laughs> let's, let's go. I have a feeling this is the match you were talking about earlier when you were making those sounds. Uh, I said the same thing. I said uh, the crowd was ridiculously into this. Uh, the hot tag spot was probably the loudest pop of the night. Oh, my goodness, like how crazy the crowd was going for that hot tag. And I thought Jim Cornette uh, getting involved was kind of funny, him holding a table uh, when the referee's back was turned. He was literally holding a table over his shoulder. So... Uh, the guy, uh, one of them, Midnight Express, threw one of the Fantastics into it. Uh, just like a great heel tactic that, uh, you know, you don't see anymore. And I thought, like, this tag match was great. It was probably my favorite match of the night, uh, save for the main event. Mm. But uh, definitely one to, you know, that I enjoyed. I didn't think, you know, going into this, I hadn't watched the whole program. Uh, I think maybe I watched the main event uh, before. But, um, yeah, this tag match was never on my radar so going into it i absolutely loved it yeah bobby fulton and tommy rogers collectively known as the fantastics i think a one of those teams that we talk about the great tag teams of the 80s kind of gets overlooked um because there's a lot of them you know midnight express included rock and roll express you can go to the wwe or you go hey stay in the nwa uh Minnesota Wrecking Crew in the early 80s, and Tully and Arm, who eventually became the Brain Busters, and you got the British Bulldogs, and the Heart Foundation, and Strike Force, and, you know, so many just quality tag teams in the mid to late 80s. And the Fantastics, like I said, kind of get overlooked, but let's give, you know, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers some 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 credit where it's due. You know, they, they were a really good tag team, very, very over, as you can tell by this match. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one thing I noticed was that, um, like you mentioned Jim Cornette him kind of running away from the Fantastics every time they came near him I found kind of funny yeah <laughs> every time I heard, I saw him do it I kind of heard him in his like in his um Voice. Bruce Pritchard's kind of impersonation of him <laughs> god damn get away from me what are you trying to do to me you trying to hurt me or something god damn that's all I hear when, when I saw him <laughs> And that's probably not what it's supposed to be. Uh, I shouldn't hear this. I'm sure he didn't sound like that back then, but uh, that's what I hear. So, I mean, you know, whatever. I thought the same thing uh, after the match where he's run, he's starts running away, but then he hits the other referee with the tennis racket before, like, as he's <laughs> running away. <laughs> and, and the referee doesn't do anything. He just goes, hey. And, like, Jim Cornette, like, scampers away a little bit, and then he starts yelling at the camera, like, it's like, man, you just hit this guy with a tennis racket looking like as hard as you could and like nothing's happening. Like it just cracked me up. Like the referee was yes. just like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned th- that's kind of the finish there when he hits the referees with the, the tennis racket because this finish had, it was a hot finish. It was like, it was awesome. Uh, the fantastic. I was a huge fan of, the, of everything that happened. It's it's a kind of a, it's a similar finish that NWA was known for. It's sort of the dusty finish, yeah, but not that's what I wrote. quite yep. the same. Yep. Uh, but the Fantastics threw the referee out of the ring, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> Randy Anderson. In the, and the then... most hilarious way possible. Like, they get the hot tag, <laughs> and then the referee, and the, the crowd's going nuts, and then, you know, the referee doesn't allow it, and then the dude just throws him over the top rope, and I'm like, you're a baby face. Like, who does that? Like, it just, right. I he, legitimately laughed out loud. He was just so angry, so angry at the Midnight <laughs> Express, he just didn't care anymore, man. So... They toss the referee out, and if you're not familiar with NWA's like, rules, come on! Like nobody thought that was a DQ at the time. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, they win." Of course, like, they, come right, on. Because <laughs> if you watched NWA back then, you knew who threw somebody over the top rope. That was a disqualification. Yeah, but let alone so, the referee, the damn referee. <laughs> right, you threw a wrestler over the top rope was a disqualification. So they keep going. Another referee comes in. They hit the rocket launcher, which is a. It's, I still That's to dope. this day love the rocket launcher yeah. as a tag team finish. Yeah. Such a dope finish. Um, it's such a great babyface finish. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I just love that finish. But they hit it, one, two, three, everybody's like, yay, they won. And then this, the first referee <laughs> comes in, he reverses the decision. While he's doing that, Cornette is just killing people with his tennis racket. Like, <laughs> anyone involved, anyone in the ring, boom, pow, pow, including both referees, pow, get out of here, <laughs> killing them with, that, with those tennis rackets. You just hear it, pow, right over their back. I'm like, god damn. Like, <laughs> Then he takes his belt off, and they take, I forget, I don't know if it's Tommy Rogers, rest in peace to Tommy Rogers, by the way, but um, Tommy Rogers or Bobby Fulton, they take one of them and just whip the dog you-know-what out of him <laughs> with the belt. <laughs> like, good Lord, they were trying to get all the heat. It was fantastic. It was such a great end and a finish of that match. It was great. But, uh, yeah. again, Fantastics, great tag team. Uh, give Bobby Fulton his flowers while he's still here to smell them. Tommy Rogers, unfortunately, has passed on. But uh, this was great. This is like you said. It was, it was a very hot crowd. Again, that's, that's I'm talking. The crowd could make a match seem so much better. And this is a prime example. This match technically wasn't great or whatever. It wasn't like a bunch of fantastic moves. But both teams were over. The fans were into it. The hot tag, like you said, the place blew up. The finish, the place blew up again. I don't think the fans sat down for the whole match. It was just like <laughs> from beginning to end. It was the craziness. And then at the end of the day. The heels still keep the belts. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't realize the pun until like twenty seconds later. <laughs> this was yeah. So I mean, it was awesome. If you haven't seen this match, uh, this is probably a great one to watch to to feel uh, if you're jaded by. WWE and hell, if you're jaded by AEW with some of the things they're doing today, if you want to love pro wrestling again, I think this is a perfect match to watch to kind of rekindle that. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. It's just so it's a lot going on. It reminded me, not really in the same like a one for one comparison, but like I always bring up Backlash 2000 <laughs> as like a match where the fans are just going crazy for like the last like five minutes. This match was that for the whole match. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it was just, and it was like, stuff was happening all over the place. Obviously, it's going to happen because you got four people involved. But it was just like, it was madness, and it was great. I, I loved every second of it. Um, we go from that to them saying that they're going to have a barbed wire match later on in this in this mat, in the show. They're going to they advertise it. And I'm thinking, like, Jim Crockett Promotions was just out here having barbed wire matches on cable television like in right. the 80s. Right. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like what? <laughs> I, that's wild. I figured that would be a pay per view, but on cable TV, 
Barbed wire. Get it out there. On a super station. Family channel. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Hmm. And now we transition to a very odd interview. Pre-taped interview. So after we seen Jim Cornette whack like seven people with a tennis racket. Now, this is before the show. He's backstage in the ring or outside of the ring, I should say. Calm as can be. He's being interviewed by Ken Osmond. And some of you are probably wondering, who is Ken Osmond? Well, unfortunately, he just died earlier this year, back on May 18th. But he was Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. And TBS in 1988 was reviving Leave it to Beaver and calling it the new Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> Very creative name, I know. <laughs> but here he was interviewing Jim Cornette. And... It was odd. It was just weird because they kept talking about Jim Cornette's mom and it's just weird. It's just it's just a very shoehorned thing that was clearly just a thing to promote the new Leave it to Beaver, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming not that many people watched because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that show's not even like in syndication any, anywhere. Like, it's just like, nope, nope, leave that in the past. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about this very strange happening? Rest no, in peace, no. Ken Osmond, by the way. But yes, rest don't in peace. disrespect him. But this was odd. Uh, n- no real uh, recollection of this at all. So, uh, in terms like I've never watched even Leave It to Be- Beaver. So uh, if I was watching this back then, I probably would have not not realizing that things were pre-taped and uh, everything wasn't live. I would have been like, "How is Jim Cornette?" here why are there no people here like what is going on i would have been so confused uh but yeah it looked like a wwe show in 2020 there's yeah. nobody there yeah yeah so uh not not exactly uh, i was trying to listen in to see whether they gave away the result of the tag title match but i don't think i heard anything uh that nah, gave away the didn't. result but i was like uh but yeah they i mean it, it, it was, was filler <laughs> yeah it was promotion that's what it was TBS is like, hey, we want this Leave It to Beaver show to be successful. Was it, was so it on you TBS? Better do this. Did it air on TBS? Yeah, that's okay. why they were talking about it so much. Oh, jeez. Well, like, yeah. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> I guess I should have figured that. <laughs> it was. I mean, maybe it could have been it on was. TNT. I don't know, but uh, I don't. Was TNT even a thing back then? I don't even know. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> but the new Leave It to Beaver actually got. 101 episodes. Well, that including a four-part television movie. Oh wow! The new Leave It to Beaver. Hmm. Yeah, so they got enough. uh, About that. They got enough episodes to get syndication, but nobody's interested. Apparently. (laughs) Maybe a streaming network will pick it up. A streaming service. Maybe. (laughs) It's on. It was on a Disney Channel for season one, apparently, and then went to TBS for seasons two through four. So was this after that then? Was this after their time on the Disney Channel, perhaps? Yeah. Gotcha. That's what, I think they said a couple times, like, oh, it's a new network or, you know, something yeah. like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So maybe it'd be on Disney Plus one day. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so after that bizarre happening, <laughs> uh, we get Gary Hart and Al Perez, who had an interview. They challenged Dusty Rose. Not, not really much to see here. Just that, it just reminded me that Gary Hart was dope as, an, as a manager back in the day, yeah. as a talker. So, shout out to Gary Hart. Also, rest in peace to Gary Hart. So, uh, he was really dope, though. Al Perez, he was a guy that was, that was like getting a push and just kind of just like fell off the map for a while. I don't know what happened to him, but he's still, he's still alive, fortunately. But 
Yeah, he looked like he uh, could have had a like pl- he pl- he looked like he could play the part. You know, like I was like, man, I, I don't even remember watching this guy, uh, but he he looked legit at least uh, in an interview. <laughs> Uh, physically, yeah, I, I was like, man, he he definitely could. I could see him uh, doing big things, but I never really tracked. Well, I don't even know what he did after the fact. No, <laughs> I looked it up. He was in WWF for a little bit, then he went to WCW again, and like by 2001, he's pretty much out of the business. Hmm. I think so. Was he? When was he in WWF? I think like late '88 into '89. Oh, okay. Something like that. It was 88, 89-ish. Somewhere around there. Gotcha. Um, according to my research, it was yeah, he retired in like 2002. Uh, before before Jim Crockett, he was in Mid-South and, Jim Cro- and World Class. So he was around. And then he got to WWF in 89. He left in 1990. And then went back mm. to WCW. He was actually the Black Scorpion in mm. WCW. And then what did GWF, Global Wrestling Federation, and then pretty much faded out by 2002. So, hmm. uh, moving on from that, though, we get the top 10 seeds for the Crockett Cup, the Jim Crockett Memorial Cup, which, of course, is a tag team tournament that they, NWA did for a couple years there. Uh, it was actually a pretty dope tournament. I, I remember my dad telling me about this back in the day. He's like, oh, yeah, I used to watch the Crockett Cup. Yo, it was great. Oh, man. Yeah. And, I, and of course, NXT has kind of replicated that with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Everything is a classic in WWE. It's not like a cup um, or a tournament. It's the classic, the Mae Young Classic, the Cruiserweight Classic, Dusty Rhodes Classic. And now NWA has revived the Crockett Cup, which is a good idea. Um, so... Good on them. They weren't able to do it this year because of the pandemic, but I think I know they did it last year. Um, but in this year, we had Francis Crockett announce the seeds. He was a younger sister of Jim Crockett Jr. And of course, the winner of the tournament would get quote unquote one million dollars, which I'm sure that did not happen in real life. <laughs> um, but the top 10 seeds were as follows. Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. Didn't know they were a tag team ever. Uh, Sting and Ron Garvin were number 9. 8, Varsity Club. 7, The Fantastics. 6, Barry Windham and Lex Luger, who eventually uh, challenged for the world tag team titles later in the show. Uh, number 5, The Powers of Pain, Barbarian and Warlord. Number 4, Midnight Express. Number 3, The World Warriors. Number 2, Nikita Koloff. And Dusty Rhodes. And number one, the, at this point, current NWA World Tag Team Champions, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So, who won this tournament, you ask? Sting and Lex Luger. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. Wait, what happened there? They weren't (laughs) even a team. Well, you know that good old wrestling. There's going to be some angles and people getting quote-unquote hurt. And all of a sudden... Because Sting and Lex Luger both lost a tag team partner. Well, Barry Windham turned on Lex Luger and joined the Four Horsemen. So that's how that got split up. And I think Ron Garvin got hurt. So Sting and Lex Luger teamed up. And they won the whole thing. So they got the quote-unquote million dollars <laughs> for winning the Crockett Cup. But uh, I'm always, you know me, I'm always a fan of tournaments. So I dug it. Yeah, uh, I think, I, uh, I wonder if... Wait, who was Sting's partner? 
I forget. I didn't Ron write down Garvin. Ron Garvin. Okay. Uh, oh man, I had something to say, but now I forget. Oh well, move on. Oh, I was going to say I mean, the the whole card subject to change. To change, uh, even though you know, like they say that, I still think it's funny that people get so angry over advertised things changing, even though like it's pro wrestling and card always subject to change based on injuries or storylines, creative. I think by now in 2020, we should just be used to that. And I still find it hilarious when people get very angry at last minute well, changes. I, I just do. There are times though where WWE knows they're going to change it, but they advertise right. it big ahead of time. Like sometimes if there's unforeseen circumstances, that's one thing, but sometimes they do the bait and switch and I don't, I'm not usually a fan of the bait and switch. Yeah. I mean, if it's not hurting anybody, like at, at if it's not hurt actively hurting somebody, I don't see the big deal. But I mean, I, this, I don't. I don't really look at it at this particular thing as like the bait and switch. Right, it just right. it was a storyline. Like it was a part of the storyline where Barry Windham turned on Lex Lucas to join the Four Horsemen. Sometimes WWE does it differently, and it's weird. This was they were one of like twenty something something teams in this tournament. So <laughs> it's not like you. This is the Barry Windham and Lex Luger tournament. Like they were one of a bunch of teams. Uh, but I did find it interesting that they had seeds. Yeah. Which yeah. is pretty much like rankings. Like, yep. these are the top four seeds or whatever. They get buys or whatever. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I think that's something that WWE does not do when they do tournaments. They do not seed anyone. Uh, but AEW, if they were to do a tag team tournament, they could do it because they do keep track of wins and losses. So if your tag team champs are the number one seed by default... You can get two on down or whatever based on record to be, you know, the top seeds or they get first round buys or whatever. So WWE won't do it because they don't they don't keep track of wins and losses. I think they should. But AEW, that's an opportunity for y'all to take advantage of because everybody likes I think seeds bring more excitement because you can have upsets, you know, yeah. NCAA tournament. Obviously, it's a big deal because of potentially the upsets that could happen and you have a 12 seed beating a five almost every year or you have a 16 seed like once in men's basketball history i think like once or twice in women's basketball history where a 16 seed is beating a one or you have a three or uh, was a 14 beating a three or whatever you know that adds to the excitement you know and i think at least aew could take advantage of that so my opinion moving on <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but this match, this barbed wire match, that's on one side you got Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors going against Ivan Koloff and the Powers of Pain. And this match was a Chicago street fight with Texas barbed wire <laughs> in North Carolina. Uh, they're national, baby. I thought about it. I was like, all right, I think I get it. Because at first I was like, all right, why did it have to be a Chicago street fight? Does, is this another thing where people just think Chicago is like the worst city in the world all the time? Oh, like, what no. about Chicago? Like, no, what, what, no we, but the road wars were right. built from Chicago. Right. So we're going to take it to the streets of Chicago. In North Carolina. <laughs> and the Texas barbed wire comes from Dusty Rose because he's from Texas. Okay. But the match is still in North Carolina. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
We have a Chicago street fight in Greensboro. I found uh, that strange. I felt like it was short, but I guess it was supposed to be short. Uh, Dusty yes. Dusty Rhodes cracked me up with the face paint. I was like, oh, he's another road warrior. Uh, you know, obviously, Animal cracked me up wearing the mask, which is how I found your article uh, through Google. I, I was trying to figure out why Animal was wearing a mask because uh, I don't always, uh, you know, I listen to commentary as much as I can, but, you know, my hearing's still not great, so I don't want to put my volume up to a thousand. So if I can't, if I don't hear it, you know, I rewind it and I just don't hear it again because the background noise, the crowd is kind of overtaking it. I'll Google it. And so I Googled why Road Warrior was wearing a mask. And apparently he broke, he, I think he had a legitimate injury. I did read online. I don't know if it's true because I didn't uh, do further research, but he might've broken his orbital bone in a in a weightlifting accident. Um, I know they, they build it into the storyline, but I don't know if that was a legitimate injury or not. But I thought it was so cool. And then, you know, when he gets a, the barbarian, uh, kicks him, and he kind of, he, just the way he tried to sell it so his mask would fall off <laughs> cracked me up because he legitimately had to, you know, basically take it off himself because it wasn't falling off. And, uh, you know, yeah. it just, it just, he had his me hand up. already on the mask. <laughs> yeah. So when he got kicked, he can kind of throw it up and then it didn't come off quite right. So it kind of flung his head around before he hit the ground <laughs> so it could actually fall off. It was kind of funny. Too funny. So, yeah, but he had like a hockey. It was like a hockey mask. It was a goalie mask. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It looked yeah. like Jason Voorhees out there. Yeah. Or it looked like a member of Demolition almost. Um, <laughs> in this match. Go ahead. No, I, I laughed. I said, "Uh, a member of Demolition," and I. It reminded me of their masks, and I was like, "Man, how about a Road Warrior copying Demolition? That'd be hilarious." It's hilarious. Ooh. Before that. demolition was demolition a thing in eighty eight? I think they were right. He, I think they were, but I don't know if they had the masks because they weren't a trio yet. And I think they only didn't. I think they only wore the mask when Crush came along, if I remember correctly. But I could be wrong. I, I do not recall. But uh, this match got bloody real fast. Like you said, it didn't last long. Uh, it was short, and I guess that's the point because they're in a barbed wire match. Shouldn't last that long. You don't want to see a thirty minute barbed wire match. Um, as I wrote here, people were bleeding before the bell rang. Um, and then after the match, when the Road Warriors won, Road Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes won, they attack Animal, they kick the mask off with Animal's help, and they are beating him, punching him in the face with a chain, and Jim Ross is losing his mind. Oh, there could be an injury here! Oh my god! They're gonna take the eye! (laughs) And, but it's like, as much as it sounds like silly that he would go that crazy over something that's not like obviously it's not really happening, but that was like the urgency that, that they were supposed to have. This is a serious thing. They're actually trying to take this man's eye out. In the framework of the story, that's a serious thing. We're not talking about the eye for an eye nonsense you see in WWE, where they're literally supposed to take the guy's eye out. Like this is not supposed to happen. <laughs> they're not supposed to take his eye out. Somebody <laughs> stepped in, Dusty Rhodes in this case, and prevented that from happening. And the announcers reacted appropriately. Whereas in WWE, something like this happens. Like, oh my God, he lost his eye. <laughs> he is mutilated. You just have somebody oh, no. throw up on camera. <laughs> right. Well, Sasha Banks got beat up a couple weeks ago. Oh no. Yeah. Bailey snapped. What has gotten to her? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what? 
Oh, you imagine that, it's rough, dude. Somebody, Ugh. somebody kicks the game-winning field goal to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> somebody hits a game-winning shot or to win a, the NBA Finals. Somebody hits a grand slam to win the World Series, and they're just like, "It's over. <laughs> they win. They're the champions." Oh my God! No, those announcers live to lose their minds. Oh my God! It's over. They're the world champions. Grand salami. In the ninth inning of the World Series, my God, they're screaming. And then they kind of lay out. They hear the crowd noise, but they still, like, they're going crazy. Not WWE's announcers. Oh, my. This is too far. Like, they're calling a golf match. It's a golf, a round of golf or something. Like, what's up? <laughs> it's bad. It's so Tennis bad. Tennis match. And it's really, you know, kind of the way Jim Ross is today in AEW. He doesn't, he doesn't sell anything. You know, he he. There's no excitement coming from him. I'll chalk that up to him being a little older. I I agree, but it's also like then you know. AEW shouldn't have him as their voice. If they're if you're not going to oversell, maybe not oversell, but sell the excitement that your product is trying to provide. You know, you don't need Jim Ross's voice there. Like you, you have someone show excitement. That's all. So every WWE announcer checks those boxes, and Jim Ross checks that box as well. Like I said, Jim Ross has an excuse that he's a little bit of an older gentleman. But to your point, maybe he shouldn't be there. WWE, no excuse. No excuse at all. Uh, after this match, after we see Ivan Koloff bleeding from the arm. We see his former homie, Nikita Koloff, for an interview where he's wearing a suit and he has a full head of hair. Terrible haircut. And he looks odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's the first thing I wrote. Terrible haircut. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. But it was 1988. I guess it was dope back then. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, I, I don't talk- think he had hair, right, up until that point. No, when he was he always the bald. Russians, he was bald. So, yeah, so just keep that look. I, I don't. Why do you need hair? And it looks terrible. Come on. <laughs> he, he's trying to go babyface, man. I guess hair is babyface trait. Hair on, hair on the head equals babyface. Hair on the chin equals heel. Because, you know, all the heels grow beards. There you go. That you're probably right. That's probably the science behind it, right there. Yeah. Um, but wh- while he's talking, obviously, I mean, let's get, cut to the chase. Ivan Nikita Koloff, I should say, is not actually Russian. <laughs> like I think, I think it's a known <laughs> thing. I thought he was. How funny is that? I said it like weeks ago. Like I didn't realize his accent was fake. <laughs> it got me hook, line, Man, and sinker. When you hear him talk, though, you can see it's not real at all it sounds like a little bit of arnold schwarzenegger who's not russian <laughs> and it sounded like he had a little bit of french in there too it was like <laughs> he just went for the european accent yeah, like, i was specific country i was just not paying close attention and i started the first time i really heard him was uh on those nwa shows on wwe 24 7 on demand when they would you know release them two times a month or whatever so those were some of the episodes I watched. So I didn't really do my research on that, and that's shame on me. Uh, when I, I think it was an episode of Dark Side of the Ring that he was on where he was speaking like perfect English. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, not, he's not actually Russian. But uh... <laughs> Next up, we have a tag team match for the world's tag team titles. The world's. Luger. Yeah, world's plural. Like that's how the NWA used to always say yeah. the world's champion. Yep. Lex Luger and Barry Windham versus Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. 
I wrote here that Luger was a better babyface in the NWA than he ever was in WWE. <laughs> and we talked a lot about Lex Luger and his run as a babyface a couple weeks ago on our deep dive on the Lex Express. So if you want to hear more about that, go check it out in the archives. But here, I don't know what it was. He just had a lot more fire. The, the fans were wildly into him. They also hated the Four Horsemen. Maybe that helped, but I think WWE did themselves no favors by making him the narcissist first and then trying to turn him after that. And he didn't. He just didn't have that same babyface energy. Obviously, it's 93, so it's a different time. Maybe that wouldn't have gotten over, but it just felt more natural here in, in the late 80s. Even though I, I will admit, though, he was a better heel than he ever was as a babyface, period. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of when he went back to WCW in the 90s, mid-90s, uh, he was a great heel, kind of like a tweener where, you know, Sting thought of him as a friend, but then, like, he would do shady stuff behind his back. Uh, I really enjoyed that character uh, for some reason. It just cracked me up. But, uh, you know, like you said with that turn in 93 in the WWF, uh, came out of nowhere, and... Like, he's been this narcissist. He's cheap shot Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, like all these fan favorites. And then all of a sudden, he comes in in a shirt with red, white, and blue on it, uh, slams Yokozuna, and then he's supposed to be the next great American hero. It just he, Nobody bought that. As hard as they tried, uh, deep down, you know, he, he was never going to replace Hulk Hogan. So uh, I, I'd agree with you. I, I, I would like to watch more of Lex Luger's uh, NWA and WCW stuff before he went to WWF, I think. Uh, I haven't seen enough yet, uh, and I enjoyed this match. Like I said on that show, though, Lex Luger, the people were into Lex Luger, but what really killed him, he he wasn't tremendous in the role. He did what he could. Yeah. But obviously what really killed it was the finish at SummerSlam 93. Oh, like, that's, that's what really killed it. That was like, terrible. That, that, like a month later, like you, you start all this right. stuff like after July 4th and then the end of August, like you completely cut him off at the knees. And we like, use that phrase put, a ton on this podcast and it, it's a shame that we still use it because it's still happening today. Yeah, I don't they, understand they put that. all the nails in the coffin that night. Yeah. Like at once, yeah. like <laughs> at one time. Uh, this is another hot tag team match. Tag teams matches were great in the NWA and, and Crockett. Um, fans were super into the match. Classic tag team match. One thing I noticed off the top though, was that Arn Anderson reached for a tag through the ropes and tag Tully, Tommy Young actually came in and waved it off because it wasn't over the ropes. It was through the ropes. How about that? And that was a, one of the first times I can remember where a, a referee waved off a heel tag. Usually it was always the babyface tag getting waved off because he didn't see it. But this time, because he went through the ropes and not over the ropes, he waved off the tag. I thought that was interesting. I like that. I like that. Pay attention to the little details and you'll get my respects quickly. Yeah, yeah, and that's why Tommy Young is a great referee. And that's why I like these shows. They have a semblance of structure. Like people can just do whatever they want. It's like he's actually enforcing rules, and he's enforcing the rules that the heels will eventually break. That's what makes them heels. <laughs> you can't have heels with no rules. Exactly. And if the referee isn't enforcing them, you won't feel like he's actually trying to break them. Like it's just, it's all it's all part of the same thing. Like they they all work. They all complement each other, I should say. It all matters, too. And um, 
to me at least, and I, I and I'm sure to you as well. Um, at one point, Tully Blanchard hit Barry Windham with a slingshot. Apparently, no one really kicked out of that that often because people were super shocked when um, Barry Windham did. Uh, eventually, we get to the finish, and people lost their ever-loving minds, bro. Like people <laughs> were crazy when baby faces won back in the day, especially when they won championships. I mean, they were throwing babies in the air. It's just like something you just don't see that much anymore. We haven't seen in a long time in wrestling where fans would just go crazy for a tag team title finish. Like, we're not talking about the world title. We're talking about the tag titles. Like, people are going nuts for this. I love it. And the ending completely, uh, another laugh out loud moment for me. Uh, with J.J. Dillon trying to get in to stop the count, but the the ridiculousness that uh, he 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 ran across the ring apron, tried to tried to dive at the referee, but he made it look so ridiculous. And I was like, that's just <laughs> he missed hilarious. him by like eight feet. Yeah, yeah, and he was like purposely late, like taking his good old time, but trying to make it look like he was in a rush and that type of stuff. I, I have more respect for that type of stuff than like lackadaisical. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is today about like it's so different. Wrestling is so different, and I understand that uh, the the wrestlers are different today than they were back then. Obviously, it doesn't matter who trains you. Like you're never gonna wrestle the same way somebody else d- did in the past, and I understand that. But man, they just made everything look so re- realistic. And nowadays, you maybe it has, part of it has to do with the fact that we know too much now, but. Um, they don't make it look realistic. They just don't. And uh, that, the J.J. Dillon, like, trying to stop the referee, that's what stood out to me. Because, you know, will we see a manager try and do that? Probably not. They would just, they would be on the ring apron, but then they would go to the floor and be like, like that. no. Like, they wouldn't try and stop the referee. Like, that that's a little detail, but it means so much in the grand scheme of the match and the finish. You want to try to have, you want to try to cause a DQ so your team doesn't lose the titles or whatever. Like that should be in the storyline in the match, and just it doesn't happen nowadays. So uh, that that stood out to me in this particular match. And as comical as it was for him to fall in there and miss the referee by a mile, <laughs> I didn't. It was to me. It's played for laughs. Like I laughed at it. I didn't think yeah. of it like, "Oh man, that's just that's bad. That's unrealistic." Like right, a lot of stuff right. I see in WWE that I'm just not a fan of. I just go like, "Ugh, that's just yeah." Because they don't awful. they they uh, telegraph everything. This was like sloppy enough to to you, you look at it and be like, "Yeah, like I would probably do the same thing." Because in my mind, I'd be like, "Oh my god, you got to stop the count!" And like you might lose your footing or something. Like I don't know. Right. Like and it's also, realistic. J.J. Dillon's a bad guy, so he can afford to look stupid like <laughs> exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. He was kind of the goofy, not really the goofy one, but he was always like the, I don't want to say the bumbling one either, but like he was the comic relief of the group and that people can do comedic stuff to him right? because he was a manager. Whereas he didn't do that to Flair and, and Tully and Arn and, and whoever the fourth was, or to Lex or Wyndham or Ole. Definitely wasn't happening to Ole. So you could do it to J.J. And right. it made sense. And, you know, they kept their heat. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. And that part of the finish was kind of funny. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So now let's talk about the main event of the evening, shall we? Yes. The NWA World's Heavyweight Championship champion, Ric Flair, defending against the young, hot, up-and-coming challenger, the man called Sting. And because this is a world championship match, 
It has a time limit, obviously, a longer time limit than normal. But it's not a 60-minute time limit. It is a 45-minute time limit because it's on television. So 45 minutes, and they explicitly said this on the air. What they didn't explicitly say was who were all of the judges. For one, let me take a step back here and question why did the NWA have judges to begin with? And I get they were trying to make it feel like a more sports-like presentation. Boxing has judges. MMA, even though it didn't exist yet, has judges. So I guess that adds to the sports presentation. But at least in those sports, you know exactly what they're judging. You know they're looking for strikes. They're looking for you know activity combinations, all that stuff. And there's a scoring system. You can judge around. Oh, I could I judge a 10-9 or 10-8, whatever the case may be. But in wrestling, it was never explicitly explained what exactly they're judging. There were no rounds. There's no counting of strikes and the percentage of strikes thrown or whatnot. It's just they're just judging. They just got pieces of paper and they're writing stuff down. So that's why I, I didn't see the point in judges. But when they, they, they announced the judges, there's five people standing there all together. Okay. When I first watched this back in 2016, I thought there were five judges. I thought Gary Jester, Sandy Scott, who are both wrestling people. Gary Jester, I believe, still works for Ring of Honor. Sandy Scott was a wrestler and worked in the office. So they're judges. Patty Mullen, penthouse pet of the year, which I will talk about in a second. She was the third and final judge. But the announcer never really explicitly said, all right, they're the judges, and then we'll move on to Eddie Haskell and Jason Hervey. No, they just said, and somebody you know and love, and we'd like to welcome this person. But they're all together as one. Like They don't delineate the two. Then when they're at the judges' table... They're all sitting together as if they're all judging. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was confusing to me back in 2016. Honestly, I was still confused while watching it in 2020 until Nick pointed out to me. He's like, maybe they weren't judges because as we find out later on, they only use three scorecards. I was like, well, maybe you're right. And I had to go back and watch and listen to it again and be like, huh, it was kind of subtle, but... I guess they weren't judges. They should have done a better job of saying that these people aren't judges. Because look, there are five of them. Now look, traditional boxing match MMA, I think it has three. So that's normal. But to me, they have five. It's like, okay, that makes sense because you don't want to tie. You have five. Exactly. But, exactly. That's where I was at too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's another thing. <laughs> there must be a winner. <laughs> right? Say that one more time. There must be a winner. That's literally why they had judges. Yeah. <laughs> so right. they can determine the winner in case they went to a time limit, in case they went the distance, the whole 45 minutes. Right. So the whole point of them was to, <laughs> to determine a winner. <laughs> and then, spoiler, we didn't get a winner. But let's discuss uh, for a second, unless you have something to add to this judges thing. No, no, uh... Uh, I'll get into it a little later. I just couldn't stand every time they 
showed Jason Hervey. He was talking to somebody on his right, talking to somebody on his left. It's like, shut up and watch the match. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, he wasn't judging, so it didn't matter. Well, that's that's funny you mentioned that because when I first watched it, you know, I assumed he was. And I'm, I even wrote on my paper, judges should not be talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's he, so funny. Little did I know until after that's the match so that he was not a damn judge. <laughs> Right, like it's, it, it's confused. It confused me too. You're not alone. Like, yeah. I, like it's so it's weird. Cause like I said, you can see it. Go back to my story in, in 2016. I mentioned that they were all judges. <laughs> I can't go back and change it now. I don't work there anymore. So that's just how it is. <laughs> I am forever wrong in that story. <laughs> I'm sure there's a screenshot so, out there somewhere in t- on Twitter that well, M. Johnson was wrong. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably not the only one. Uh, <laughs> But let's talk about one of the judges in particular. And I think you know which judge I'm going to talk about. No, I ain't talking about Gary Jester. No, I ain't talking about Sandy Scott. I'm talking about Patty Mullen, who was a successful model back in the day, specifically for Penthouse Magazine, which they did not mention on the air on TBS. I wonder why. I I listened to a clip from uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast about this show and he said that was intentional because tbs was he said they were afraid of their own shadow which <laughs> they're they're a family channel they didn't want the nudie mag get mentioning getting mentioned on the show it's bad enough you got her there i guess but don't mention the nudie mag but they mentioned that she was pet of the year which is like an award that penthouse magazine gives out to this day by the way they still give it out they have pet of the month and they have in at the end of the year they name a pet of the year and patty mullen was the winner. First off, Pet of the Month or Pet of the Year is a very strange title for an award. These women are just pets? That's weird. Like, Playboy had a playmate. That felt kind of nice. Pet of the Year? That's weird. Is she a pet? She a, she's, a, she's an animal? Okay. That's bad. That's bad. That's weird. But Patty Mullen had a wildly successful movie career. I don't know if you looked this up. I did not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now Here I we will. go. <laughs> She has all three credits to her name. <laughs> One credit is herself, though. So that's a fourth credit. Guess what? That's what that's for. Uh, uh, is it a movie that's well known? No, not a movie. Oh, Thunder in Paradise. It's a TV show. It's a TV show. It aired on TBS in 1988. <laughs> uh. Jeez. Uh, oh, the new Leave It to Beaver. You're going to be so mad when I say this. <laughs> Main event, NWA. Main, oh, Clash of Champions. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was the one credit she had as herself. That's She got four credits. I apologize. Four credits in her filmography. <laughs> Clash of the Champions is one of them. She is judge in parentheses world title match. <laughs> all right this is on this is according to her imdb all oh right oh my goodness her other three credits she's i guess she started doing movies after she became pet of the year hmm. so it, this is where she started she was in doom asylum never heard of that well that's all right uh she was two characters she was judy larue and kiki larue so i guess one was a good guy one was a bad guy twins whatever Maybe. in 89 she was in the equalizer 
which is a TV show, not the movie. <sighs> not the movie with Denzel Washington. The TV show, she was in one episode. Her name was Teresa. The episode was called Heart of Justice. There you have it. And her final and greatest movie credit to her name was when she played Elizabeth in the classic movie known as Frankenhooker. <laughs> is that like a Frankenstein spoof? That is my assumption. <laughs> it is known as a comedy horror sci-fi. Oh. So not so a not a not not, not adult, an adult movie film. apparently. Okay. okay. It says a medical student sets out to create his decapitated fiance by building her a new body of Manhattan street prostitutes. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Killing sex workers to build your girlfriend back. That's awful. Oh boy. So it was Frankenstein. It's Reanimator. It's trash. Came out nineteen ninety, and. Yeah, that's the last time. That's the last movie credit that uh, Patty Mullen had to her name. <sighs> Thoughts? I it seems very qualified to be a judge in the biggest world title match in NWA hey, at this man. point. Biggest world title match in television history. <laughs> Probably. Like, how many world title matches were on TV back in these days? Well, I think uh, Hulk and Andre before K- had already before happened. Right? was invented, I should say. Hulk and Andre already happened, so maybe. Uh, this was their response to that. <laughs> oh, you're That's running WrestleMania? Nice you're running a WrestleMania tournament? Well, look at us. Yeah, I forgot Saturday Night's main event happened earlier that year. That's how the title got vacated. Yep. I did too probably, up until this very moment. <laughs> probably the biggest NWA world title match in television history to that point. Maybe one of the biggest. At least, at least you know, because obviously before pay-per-view, everything was on TV. Except live events, I guess. But I don't know. Either way, big deal. And here's Patty Mullen, future star in Frankenhooker. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, to the match itself, I I wax poetic about this match back in 2016. I can't lie. Um, for one, off top, Sting, is it me? Or Sting always has some dope-ass gear. He did. He really did. Like, I feel like from like day one, his gear was dope. Like from the colors, from the scorpion, and like the different outfits he had. Even yeah. when he was surfer sting, then he became the crow sting. Like, yep. He spent a lot of money on his gear, and he he put time into it, and it was dope. I always appreciated Sting's uh, aesthetic in that respect. Yeah, if I was if I came across a wrestling show and Sting was on it, I probably would have been hooked way before. It. You know, I saw Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior uh, main event at WrestleMania 6. Like, that's kind of what I gravitated towards uh, at that point. So I was always in this thing kind of uh, here and there, but I didn't know when it came on. Like, I wasn't, you know, looking through the TV guides or anything like that. I wasn't keeping up with WCW or NWA or anything like that. So, but uh, Sting, like, looking back, Sting was, Sting was awesome. And he had that tail uh, on, the, on his hair, like the little tail. And I rocked a tail, too, when I was a kid. I'm sure you did. I did. You were cool. So I you was. It was. It, it got real long. And then it's funny when I decided to cut it off, my mom was kind of like upset because she's like, well, now I can't grab you by it anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> when I'm in trouble. <laughs> and that was, that was, a, that was a, a good decision on your part, then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking about now coming to America when he goes to the barbershop 
and he gets his haircut for the first time. He has his long tail, and the barber's like, just all literally does just cut the tail off and tosses it to the side. It's like that'd be that'd be thirteen dollars, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I'm sure so, well well worth that. it. Well worth it. Yeah. But I this mean, match, I, I have. By the way, I have a baseball. My very first baseball pitcher when I started playing is me with a tail. So it just it's it's saved for eternity, and it's hilarious. Wow, that's that's dope. <laughs> Got to preserve that that that's memory. Right. That's right. Speaking of preserving a memory, let's preserve the memory of this match, shall we? <laughs> let's. For me, this match was a fantastic piece of business. Yes. They got to a draw, even though they said, there must be a winner. But the draw finish actually made a lot of sense. They did a lot of good stuff in this match. Number one, the objective of this match was to get Sting over, but have him not beat Flair at the same time. That's why the draw is a thing, which also made me think of WWE or wrestling in general. Time limits need to be a thing in wrestling again, to me. Every sport except baseball has time limits. Boxing, MMA, football, hockey, basketball, they all do. That's number one. Number two, it it adds a finish that they can utilize, especially on TV, and it's a time limit draw. Instead of having guys get beat every single week, which, hey, look, I'm not against clean finishes. I'm not against it. But there are times where they have the distractions and the disqualifications and all this stuff. But to me, the time limit draw is just a great way to have somebody get over without anybody getting pinned, without a whole bunch of interference. You don't overbook it. It's just a clean way. It's a clean non-finish. Right? And they did that on this night. Uh, So, yes, I'm a proponent of time limits. Bring them back. Because the time limit draw, I think, is a useful finish in wrestling. But their objective was to get Sting over because he's a hot young baby face who's Lighting the world on fire. You have the incumbent champion in Ric Flair. And his job is to get, make Sting look like a million bucks. And for 45 minutes, or just about, I'm not sure if it was actually 45 minutes. But for that time period, Ric Flair just did, did just that. Like, it was masterful what they did. It was legitimately masterful how they did this. And everything... That Flair did. Sting had an answer for. He would pretty much hawk up on Flair. Flair was selling his ass off. Every time I turned around, he was begging off. No! No, <laughs> don't! Please, no! Uh, when Sting had him in the bear hug, for like felt like forever. Ric Flair was like crying real tears. Ah, oh, wow. my back! My back! Oh, my God! And he's screaming yeah, well, One of yelling. the f- first times I saw a bear hug pin. You know, I don't remember seeing that too often. And he was... He had the bear hug on him, and his shoulders were on the mat. It was kind of crazy, but in a good way. I was like, "That's kind of yeah. creative." It was it was creative. It was dope. And they, I remember when Sting got up on in the turnbuckle and climbed up to punch Ric Flair in the face, and they had this great shot of him punching Flair while they also can see J J, uh, J. J. Dillon in the background, helpless because <laughs> he's suspended in that cage. He's just looking down. It was great production there. Uh, Sting just. He, he just constantly had an answer, and he never, like, lost energy. Like, he just kept coming back, and it was just, the fans were just coming, going crazy. When when Sting hulked up, pretty much hulked up, while he was in the figure four, I thought the fans were going to, like, 
literally throw babies in the air. Like it was great. <laughs> they went nuts when he did that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I that, thought that they, was an awesome spot. Like they just they did so many good things in this match. It's a little thing like dragging Flair away from the ropes while he's in the figure four, so Flair couldn't gain leverage anymore, and then turning it over. Like that's the wrestling I love. Yeah, it was so good. This is easily the best match of the night. Because you can tell they, they 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 did a job. They had business to take care of, and they took care of it. It wasn't about getting up. It was, and in the process of the match, it was still a great match. But it wasn't about having all these moves and doing different stuff. It's about getting Sting, making Sting like a a bona fide star, without necessarily having him beat Flair yet. And they did that. It was, to me, it's masterful in my opinion. It was just it was great. I loved watching it. The fans are into it. Sting showed up big time because as much as you can say like oh Flair carried him whatever no you Sting had to be there for everything Sting had to carry his weight and he did and of course Sting is super talented he was still kind of I would say I guess maybe he was still kind of green at this point or whatever he was still young and just getting into that main event strategy but man he was there man he was and you see why he was a big star he had all the charisma he had to look he he did he was very athletic for his size people forget how, how athletic Sting was to jump at that height on the Stinger Splash and do those drop kicks and the uh, the head scissors, uh, all that stuff, he he was great. So I, this match was like, dude, this is the reason why they made him the franchise because <laughs> you know this is it. Uh, I've mentioned also too when Flair was selling in the bear hug, he was selling massively. He was like biting his fingers and stuff like that. It was great. It was it was great. They both were fantastic. I have nothing bad to say other than. Uh, Jim Ross called the pectoral muscle the pectoral muscle at one point. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, it reminded me of like when they would say, "Oh, we got hit in the solar plexus." <laughs> Who calls it the solar plexus? I don't know. Uh, that's funny. Um, and last thing, uh, I love the Ric Flair bump too. Always. The Ric Flair bump is always hysterical. Every time I think it's funny, but I, I wanted to count how many times Flair begged off. I lost count though. He did it so much. <laughs> Every time I turned around, he was like, "No, please!" <laughs> and he dropped to his knees. Please, God, no! It was, it was so good, man. And it was so audible too. It's like crack, crack me up. I think uh, it was such a such a great match, though. It's funny, you know, the way you put that together, and you say this wasn't about Sting winning the title; it was about making him look good. Uh, for the for the future and you know going into this podcast i was kind of like well you're running head-to-head against wrestlemania you have these judges in effect which probably you didn't really need if you're going to do the draw finish you didn't really need the judges um but whatever that's neither here nor there it's like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you put the belt on sting you know you're going head-to-head with wrestlemania uh, have him beat Flair. Obviously, he would look good in you know forty minute match. Uh, put him over. Have him give him the title and see see what happens. But that's not how business was done back then. Could you imagine that same finish happening today? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my World goodness. War Three. Oh my goodness. Uh, but here's the thing: if they had put the title on Sting, I don't think it would have been a bad decision. Like you said, it's TV going up against WrestleMania. That's a good time to have a title change. Right. And more people are watching on TV probably. And right. 
you know, obviously the 5.6 rating uh, proves that. At the same time, I, I thought you made, like, you kind of swayed me a little bit when you were saying it was about making Sting look good. And now the bar was set. People know how good he is. And he will win the title one day. We know, we know You would know that at that point. Um, you know, you don't know if it's going to be at a pay-per-view or a TV show yet. But you know Sting is going to be the guy. And uh, then you can build towards that moment later down the road. And I thought... You know, in terms of pro wrestling, I mean, that's a pretty solid strategy. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with that. So that's why, I don't, like, withdrawal finishes nowadays, like, people get so bent out of shape, you know. This was this was built as there must be a winner with judges. Yeah. And that's, it was, it, that that's was the big... That, that was still kind of sucks that they didn't have... Right, that, it, what, it, went, it went Patty McMullen, she ruled in the favor of Flair. Juster ruled it in favor of Sting. Then Sandy Sky had to mess it all up and declare the draw, and it's like, how can it, judge, how can you, how do you do that? I don't get it. That's why you're there to declare a winner. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you, that's why they paid you tonight. Yeah. Why did you do this? But yeah, I still think, like, like, think about it this way. Imagine if they had time limit draws for for Lex Luger and Yokozuna at SummerSlam '93, mm. and that how that would have. That would have done played wonders. out so much better if you had the time limit draw, and obviously you don't have him celebrate not winning, right, 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 because he didn't win. It's a draw, so you still kick the can down the road a little bit, and you he can didn't win, and and even uh, the whole this is your only title shot type thing. They could have even finagled the language to be like, if you lose, you will never right. challenge for the title again. But you know, he he doesn't lose, so you kind of. You don't have, like, you still have, like, fan support, and he's not a dork, you know? He's not a loser that is celebrating like he won the title when he didn't. And, uh, right. yeah, I think that would have done wonders for him if they did something like that. So that's what I'm saying. The, the time limit draw is a tool that you use. It's just a tool that you just don't use anymore. Like, it's like you have a toolbox, but you don't have a hammer. It's like, I don't want to use this hammer. I'm going to use a screwdriver to put this hammer into those walls. Like, that's just stupid. Like, that's <laughs> you had a hammer, you threw it in the trash. Like, that's just dumb. And that's what happened to the time limit draw. I think it it's a useful finish that could help everyone involved. Again, what would have happened if they had a time limit draw of some sort with Lex Luger and Yokozuna? History could have been different. It, who knows how the business would have shook out after that? But instead, they they because they, they don't have they didn't have to draw they they had somebody had to lose, so Yokozuna lost in this instance because he got counted out. But then they make it worse by having Lux Luger celebrate and there's fireworks and there's balloons. It's like oh no, you you ruined this man. So and then and then they um, they bring it up on Mania with Todd Pettengill, Todd, you're killing me here. By saying, like, oh, you're the next great American hero. We're so proud of you. You didn't win the title, but that's a whole other story. And they just gloss over it. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> it, was, it, was, it was bad. It was bad. But this was, I thought this was great. And, again, yeah. I agree with you. They could have put the title on Sting, and I think that would have been a smart decision. But I mean, you're going ahead to have a WrestleMania. That, that was my thought process. You know, and that's, Big Bang. That's 100% fair. I, I agree with that thought process. Uh, but if they if they didn't want to do it just yet, because yeah, I remember back in the day too, people had longer attention spans. People were willing to wait for things. Like, yep. it's not like today we, you got to have that instant gratification. <laughs> you, right. you watch a TV show, you got you got to binge that. You got to watch that next episode right now. Who wants to wait six seven days for the next episode? 
back in the day, you have to wait and to the to the next day to find out the scores of games. Like, right, right. You know, say to read the newspaper to find out what happened in the West Coast games. You just it was just a waiting society. You had to wait more in society back then. So yeah, fans didn't necessarily get the, what they wanted that night. But like again, because it was a draw, you knew Sting. Man, he's right there. He almost had him. You had him in a Scorpion Deathlock as time ran out. Like he was that close. I gotta come back and see this again, whether it's on TV or in the arena. I gotta come back and see this again because Sting, he might get him next time. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, instant gratification. If that ha- like you said, that happened today. Oh. Hell no. What? Why would you do this? This was the time, blah, blah, blah. You ruined it, blah, blah, blah. And just, we're just a different society nowadays. So it probably wouldn't work today, but it worked back then. And it, I think it works for everybody. Sting is still a Hall of Famer, still a top, you know, one of the best of all time. Flair, one of the best of all time. NWA, I mean, it's a different story, but uh, things have changed for them. But, you know, I thought for this match in this particular time period, it worked. And, I enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. So, and I, I know one thing, it made me want to watch the match where he eventually did win the championship. Right. Like, it just made me want to watch the next time he got a title shot. I was like, yo, I, I got to see this. Like, so if I feel that way in 2020, imagine how the people felt back in 1988. And I, I think that yeah. audience, too, that 5.6 rating would be willing to wait because that's like, that's the wrestling audience. You know, people are watching WrestleMania that, yeah, they're wrestling fans, but they're more about the glitz and glamour. That would have been me back in the day if I was watching, you know, that night. I would have been watching WrestleMania. But, like, the hardcore wrestling fans, they had they had their base, and it's on free TV. You know, maybe right. pe- people that didn't order WrestleMania because uh, of money or just NWA had their fan base. So, and, and you yes. know, that was it. It's definitely a combination of both. NWA definitely had their fans. And like you said, it was a free option. WrestleMania pay per view was what I don't know thirty forty bucks probably. Yeah. But and I even think that was the first like four hour one they were uh, touting. You know, four hours. Yeah. So that's that's a long time. Right. This even is back a then. minute fifty eight without like commercials on WWE mm-hmm. Network. So let's say it's two hours, two and a half hours on TBS back in the day. You know. So, but that's the first. Clash of the Champions. Before we wrap up here, Nick, got any uh, parting shots, parting thoughts about this here uh, event? Yeah, wasn't a fan of the ring presentation. The green apron, the red, white, and blue ropes. It was just gross. I was like, gross. That's <laughs> classic NWA, though, man. That green, that lime green, neon yeah, green ring. Yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of events with that, but I was just like, man. And then you had the red, white, and blue ropes, which you know it's not the Great American Bash. What are you doing? Like it, they didn't they, <laughs> they didn't use red, white, and blue like as often as WWF did. And so did they just use red, white, and blue here because it was against WrestleMania? And they're like ah, there's the promotion with the red, white, and blue ropes. I'll watch that. <laughs> um, I just thought I was like, why not just change the ropes up? It's a March. What was it? March twenty seventh. It, it aired. Like yep. what are you doing, red, white, and blue ropes for? It's not Great American Bash. Come on. It's still United States of America. So I guess it's like red, white, and blue is always good. <laughs> See, I just, I never got that. They, they, they had events with all white ropes, uh, you know, all black ropes and, you know, like combination, like, I don't know, red, white, and blue. I, it, I just look too much into it. I just, I'm not a fan, you know, like I, for, for certain things, even the WWF ropes, it's just like, eh. Red, white, and blue was always just weird to me. It just felt normal because 
that's what it was when I started watching. So when they would change ropes, like at WrestleMania nine, WrestleMania ten, when it was black and gold, I was like, "What the hell is this? Like, this is weird." But yeah, that that's my main takeaway of that. <laughs> the ropes. The ropes and the lime green ring apron. I just uh, it was just a. I guess at eighty eight, it's normal, but you know, watching it now, it's just yeah. Uh, my parting shot was that I love watching NWA shows from the 80s just the energy the electricity in the building there's always something about those shows that felt like alive maybe it's because I you know we're in a pandemic and we just don't we don't have fans in the stands so that electricity mm-hmm. just isn't there we, yeah. and it hasn't been there for now like seven months you know almost were you with the Thunderdome by the way did you uh we did not make that? it. Yes. So uh. for, for those that didn't know, that didn't know, me and my daughter tried to apply for the Thunderdome for SmackDown. Uh, we had a call time. We just never got called in to the Thunderdome <laughs> thing. But I've reapplied this week. So you might see me on there. <laughs> All right. got to uh, give your thumbs up and thumbs down when you're told to. Sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give, give him King Corbin a thumbs down. Faux show. Oh, so. come on, man. The best, the best <laughs> heel of the business, right? Giving him a thumb. That's why, that's why I'm going to give him a thumbs down. <laughs> there you go. I can't. Do his know? job. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. yeah but, great. It was, it was, this is a fun show. And, uh, you know, it's an easy watch because it's short. But there's a lot of good stuff on here in, in that short amount of time. So, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend going back and checking out the first Clash of the Champions. Top flight stuff from beginning to end, for the most part. I, didn't, I don't remember really a bad match on the show uh the one that is just like tuned out of they were all like really fun so they had something to offer so with that let's wrap it up here nick and so please take it out with some plugs you can follow me at nick Bacone on twitter follow us at shooters radio on twitter and we are on facebook at facebook.com slash shooters radio and you can find our podcasts at shootersradio.com phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com and you can actually see everything I've written for Philly Voice through the years at phillyvoice.com slash staff hyphen contributors slash nick hyphen pacone <laughs> no one's going to type that URL and I don't know why you even did that <laughs> I figured why not why not there's like 39, no 30, 39 pages of my uh my work through the years, uh, mostly, you know, interviews and TV recaps, but you know, there's co- some cool stuff in there. No one's typing that URL. In it. You got to shorten that somehow. <laughs> I have somehow. a book. I have a bookmark. So maybe I'll put it in like a link shortener, uh, you know, yeah, bitly engine or something. Yeah. Well, I'm at Von M Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if you want to read my writing, I don't have a long ass URL to give you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you can read some of my stuff there. I just wrote a story today that I believe has been posted about Aaron Donald, and uh, you know, because he's going to be going against the Eagles this week. So let's hope he doesn't destroy us. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got that. A whole bunch of other stuff. Check it out on there, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, if you, can, you can't find me on these here interwebs, you might find me out here in these streets. Maybe not, though, because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. But you might find me on the Thunderdome on Friday. Check me out. Me and my little girl, Gabby, yeah. might be on there. I got my my, my uh, WWE Championship belt that I bought from Amazon a, while, a little while back. 
Uh, so I might have that on me too. You know what I'm saying? So check me out. But until next time, for Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson saying so long from episode 252 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.